Welcome to today's episode of Tuesday's Tips. Today we have the privilege of sitting down with Kevin Gussinow. Kevin is an expert in the finance and loan industry with over 30 years in the business. Kevin also sits on a quality control board that oversees mortgages in the U.S. So sit back, relax, and listen to Kevin's expertise, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Dave Markowitz here. Matt, how's it going? Part of Dave and Ed, real estate team, and today we are doing Tuesday's Tips in our podcast show, and we have the privilege of speaking with a lender, and actually a longtime friend of mine, um, Kevin Gussanow. And Kevin, we wanted to thank you for, you know, you're extremely busy taking the time out today. And we want to talk to you a little bit about the lending industry, tell us about yourself and where you think the market's going and how the market's been. And so let's Start just get into it. Us. Yeah, right. Tell us yourself. who you are, how'd you get started, and all the good stuff. I'm Kevin Gussanow. I started in lending 30 years ago, straight out of college. Um, I became a director of the biggest uh, quality control company for mortgages in the United States about 10 years ago. So that keeps me up to date on all the rules, regulations, um, new trends, where market's going. So um, we view the interest rates being three and three quarters to 4% for the next two years. So we don't see rates going anywhere. Wow. Um, we see the refinance market being bigger than the purchase market. Um, we see housing staying stable due to lack of housing. So we don't see the bubble everyone's seeing. The, the loans that have been done in the last four years are the best loans in the history of the 35 years that we've been doing QC in the mortgage industry. Really? The highest FICOs. Um, income due to basically due to Dodd Frank and the, um, well, the, no the inability for even the most well qualified wealthiest people to get loans because if it's not on paper and not on a tax return, you're not getting a loan. So you have millions of dollars and not be able to even get an equity line just due to what your tax return is saying. So, so the people who got loans, unless there's a divorce or um, a death or loss of job, those loans are pretty good. So, and when they've got those loans, when in the last four to six years, the you know, the loans, those were solid. They're people? as good as you can get. Really? So, so I feel good then. Yeah. Down, <laughs> down payments, and, and you've got a rising market. So, and he helped me with that, by the way. Yeah. So every loan has equity. So, so you've got a good basis. You're never going to see the debacle that happened in two thousand eight and nine. So, so. Yes, home values have peaked, um, but we're not going to see a bubble burst like we did back then. So I want to just in interject your home values have peaked. However, interest rates are so low, and when Ned and I are out there and, and clients are saying appreciation, things are so expensive, but in fact it's the opposite because rates are so low, you're getting more value for your buck. Correct. So people don't realize, they're, they're like, oh, but it's a million dollars and I can't afford it. But they don't really look at what, we used to say, what is the payment? What can I live in? What is the, and so a, a right. wonderful point on a rate can make a drastic difference. So mm -hmm. can you reiterate or just tell us about, you know, if a rate is really low, they really can get more in what their value is. So right. So usually when you have high values, you have low rates. So what if 
if the home value went down a hundred thousand and rates went up one percent, your basic your payment's going to be about the same as it was when it was a million and mm -hmm. with the lower rates. So it's all it's a balance. It's a balance. So yes, somebody can afford more of a home today because interest rates are low. So thus, they can move into a million dollar home where they can only afford. Nine hundred thousand. If they're waiting for this market to burst, they're probably going to still have the same payment down the road, right? Because interest rates are probably going to increase, because it, it it's in the last twenty years that's kind of the trend. So even though we feel rates will stay low due to overseas markets having negative interest rates and there's no inflation in sight, so we think that interest rates are going to stay. At this level for so quite a long time. I want to I want to ask because in we with Ned and I remember in two thousand eighteen, the market was all of a sudden started to slow down in the last quarter of two thousand eighteen, and we saw homes starting to sink. People started panicking. They said, "Oh, here we go. Here is the wall. Here is where it's going to stop." Yeah. And then they said rates were going to go up about a full point in two thousand nineteen, and they thought the the housing industry would just slow down. Something happened. At the beginning of 2019, that completely flipped, rates went down. What What's going on? Why did that happen? Why do you see now that it's going to be continuing? We call that the winter of death because the mortgage market was the slowest I've seen in 30 years for that six months. Because So we weren't exaggerating when we told there, our clients There were that? no refinancing going on. There was no wow. purchasing going on. It was, it was as slow as it could be. And that's why we think that... Coming into this year and next year, we're going to see more products come back. We're going to probably see, hopefully, stated income come back with a down payment. Really? We're going to see 100% financing come back. Wow. So it's not. And these are just his opinions, guys. These are so, my opinions. Right, his opinions. So just don't take it to heart that this is. Kevin's been in the industry for so many years, he, he's seen trends. So he's just giving you his educated opinion. And yeah, we're going to see. Um, Maybe the 43 back end go away. What is that? Explain that is, so when Dodd-Frank came in, it's called um, QM lending. So basically, a borrower has to have 43% or less of their income in a housing payment so with debt. So with you can have more. Ratio. Yeah, so that's why when I talked about we've made the best loans in the last five years, well, that's because people who make $5,000 a month are getting $5,000 mortgages and have no money left for medical food. So it's been really stringent as far as what you can make as far as and what you can afford. So it's called the ability to repay. So if, if you don't fall in that box, you can't get a loan. So... People these days still have to fall into that box. There are very few lenders that may stretch it to 50%, and FHA is one of them. Okay. But for the most part, they have to fall into 43% of their income covers their home payment and all monthly debts. And when I say monthly debts, it's only credit cards, car payments, and student loans. We don't care about electric bills, medical. That's not calculated. Okay, good to know. So, so I see us in the next year moving away from that, or at least being a little more lenient, so to allow people to afford more. 
the ADUs are a great one. They're right, going to yeah. probably start giving people income for those. Because before, when you owned an owner-occupied residence, you could not take any income. You couldn't rent out a room. You couldn't um, have a guest house in the back and get income for that. So now when qualifying, they're actually going to give you rental income for the ADUs. So that way, when you buy a home, it's almost like buying a rental home where they give you a 75% of the rental income right. as your income to help qualify for that. So, right. so we probably see the ADUs as being... Uh, the first movement towards that for owner-occupied residents. You'll never see somebody give you uh, credit for renting a room out because as a hard money lender, I've always had the person go, oh, well, my roommate hasn't given me his rent, so I can't pay you your payment. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> so if we're that. looking for somebody that's looking specifically because we have a lot of buyers that want ADUs, mm -hmm. so now we can tell them that that garage or if there's an existing structure that can that income can be brought into the loan as... If it's existing and it's current, yes, it can be brought oh, in as... that's powerful as, stuff. As, a, uh, as an addition to help them qualify, correct. So, okay. maybe they can afford a little more if, yeah. if that's the case. Do you want to ask Great. about what we spoke about earlier with the... Um, because he's a direct lender. Yeah, so tell us a little bit why is... Well, what's... Using a direct lender versus big banks, what's the difference? Okay, um, so so when you go to a big bank, they have their own programs, their own regulations, and they fit into one box. So as a direct lender, we have 26 different investors, so lines of credit from some big banks, but from hedge funds, mortgage houses, um, REITs. So we're able to place a loan in different places. So if it doesn't meet that box, we can move it to another box that may accept what what is missing. So if they have 40 acres of land in it and a, a big bank can't do it, we have different the investors that will take it. They may pay more money for an interest, but we can at least place it. So we're never dead in the water. So if they come to me and we start somewhere and they don't qualify for that, they could denied for that, we just move it to another box to make sure they actually get the home that they want. So yeah, and, and I was going to say, I mean, we're right now, we have clients, and it's especially with, if you own your own business, um, big, big banks are, you know, having a little bit more that they want to see, or giving harder time, so we've noticed that actually, you know. Yeah, unless you have a lot of money in a bank, then, and they're willing to look the other way and put it in a portfolio program because portfolio programs aren't under Dodd-Frank. So, where if you came to me, we'd say, okay, your tax returns don't look good because you write everything off, but let me see your bank statements. So, they have deposits because they're doing business, so we give them credit for the deposits as income. We'll figure out what kind of business they have. So, if they're a one-man shop, we're only going to hit them for a certain amount of expenses and then we'll give them the yeah. rest of the income. I think that's major because we, a lot of our clients are business owners exactly. and, you know, not all of them are... Yeah, not all of them can show, you know, they're Especially their... the smaller ones because the Correct. smaller business owners pretty much right off. Correct. Because why are you in business? Yeah. I mean, you have to kind yeah. of figure out a way to survive and use those to do business advantages, of course. Right. So, so they've enabled more programs and like I said, hopefully they come out with 
a stated income loan. I'm shocked that you're saying and, before, because that's well, like the tabloid you know, word of... The problem was, wasn't that it was stated income before. The problem was it was 100% stated oh, income. Oh, got it. So you have stated income and... No and your equity, dog got the loan. And no equity. Your right. dog, your the guy working at Subway. All you had to do was say, I make Subway sandwiches and I make 100000 a year and breathe on this beer and you got a loan. And, and that was the problem. It wasn't... Uh, if somebody came in with 30% equity or 25 and had a 700 plus FICO score and good credit and a job, they probably aren't going to go bad because the housing market would have to come down right. to, to that certain point and he's got skin in the game right. so he's going to fight for it. So even if it came down to where he put his money down, it'd still have to come down a lot more than that and that's not going to happen. So And that'll open up a lot for the, the self-employed borrower. So besides that, though, in terms of 20, 20%, 25% down, what about first-time buyers? What are the entry level at this point to get into the game? So the cheapest way to get into the game <coughs> is FHA. Okay. And that's 3.5% down. And FHA is the best for for buyers because it enables low credit scores, like down to 580. Wow. It, it enables... Okay. Family members, as many as you have, to go on to the loan to help you qualify for wow. it. How is that as co-signer? No, as co-signer. As a co-signer. No, yeah, so and that's through FHA. Through wow. FHA, so you can have four or five people, and they'll allow them to give you money. For wow. The, the is that a gift letter as well, though? Yeah, it's a three and a half percent down. And okay. Seller can credit closing costs, so pretty much is the cheapest way to get in. And if you're in LA County. You know, our loan limits have gone up, you know, the highest loan limit is 765, so you can get, with 3.5% down, that's a, almost an $800,000 home for 3.5% wow. down, so it's pretty, pretty great. And the and FHA rates, although PMI is lifetime now, so that's the only bad oh, thing. So there's no way of getting out of it. So you have an upfront fee of okay. 0.85, oh, yeah, and no, 1. I think it's like 1.7, then 0.85 for the life of the loan. So, oh, wow. so the only way to get out of it really is to refinance. Refine. It. But usually they'll refinance once they sh there's that equity, and yeah, because, because the market's moving up, right? Right, because you have you have when you're under ninety percent, you can probably get rid of PMI with certain programs at a higher interest rate. So you just have to have a little equity in the house, right? And and still the ability to qualify for it. But you'll need a higher credit score than five eighty. That may be your down okay. deterrent too, because. Okay. Regular Fannie Freddie is six forty or above to get. But even that loan. is still pretty still low. low. Yeah, it's right. Pretty, it's pretty bad credit. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. bad credit. Yeah, wow. but you don't want a foreclosure seven years. You don't want a short sale. It's four years still. So those are the two hurdles before they'll start lending to you. That's that's where somebody who came to you and went to a big bank right. would be calling me because I have a foreclosure less than seven years ago or or short sale four years ago. Well, we have other lenders that'll do it. You just pay a higher interest rate. First so there's ways of getting a loan. You may have to pay a little bit higher, but you're getting into the game. and then You can get a loan one day out of foreclosure and one day out of what? bankruptcy. But the rates are going to be in the 7% range oh. where it would be normally four. So, but you can get they a They used to be like, right, seven okay, percent, yeah. that was still a party yeah. 10 years ago. Right. Well, just think about it. Just think about it. The people back in like 2008 who lived in their homes for a year and a half without making a payment. Well, they saved up a ton of money. So as soon as they got foreclosed, they were ready to go back into the market because wow. they had the down payment because they were making a payment for a year and a half or two That's years. Insane. 
I didn't know so, that you, could, you were able to get a loan after that, though. They weren't back then, but now you can. Oh, back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's now, a, now they have programs. Wow. For that. Yeah. Really so, interesting. That's very interesting. And of course, foreclosures are a lot less these well, days. We're not seeing that. Yeah, we're not seeing that. Yeah. People are able to right. sell their homes before yeah. they before they foreclose on it. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah. Anything you want to add, or anything you want to add? I, I actually want one more question regarding as a direct lender. You were saying, okay, you got twenty six different channels that say to put it into. Is it usually the case, or not usually the case, that you guys go ahead and resell that loan after thirty days to, let's say, die tech? I'm die tech. So, 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 what happens is, is we'll do a loan with an investor, okay. and somebody will already own the servicing of it. So whether it's a loan care, it's um, we won't name names, we won't name, but, but just, the right. ceiling, they're all the big ones out okay. there. So they'll go to a servicing channel whether they own it or not. So the servicing can sell to different servicers. They get a piece of the interest rate. Usually it's between a quarter and a half a percent of the interest rate to service the loan. So they're just the servicing agent. They don't really own the loan. There's just a servicing company that services every loan in the United States. So wherever you get your bill from, they could either own the own the loan, or it's just a servicing company servicing for it. It's so would that servicer. still be under you guys still controlling that loan? So the servicer, once they hold it, controls the loan until it's the loan is sold to somebody else or paid off. Okay. So they're buying that servicing piece. So you sell a loan in bulk, either the company who sold it, let's say it's mine, we can sell the loans but keep the servicing. Okay. And have a subservice or service it. Okay. But we don't own the loans anymore. We just own the servicing part. Is that something that it doesn't affect anything? The borrower at all. It, it, so the, you get foreclosed upon. The company closes. Right. Most for the most part, they're all Fannie Freddie loans, so they're all government backed. So, so the borrower is never affected other than where they send their payment. Got it. Yeah, that just actually happened to me where they changed midstream. And some servicers yeah, are some. worse than others. Right. So, so we go. Oh my God. But, but as long as you're making your payment, you're yeah. sending it to the right place, you shouldn't have any yeah, issues. Right. Right. Yeah. But the, the ultimate point is, guys, is he has options for you um, where you're not stuck in this one box, as he's saying. So, and right. that's if what we you, all need. If options. you think you can't get a loan, you call me. And yeah, then, think twice. And then yeah. I would tell you, okay, you can't get a loan. But for the most part, there's somebody out there who's willing to give you a loan. It yeah. just depends on the interest rate. It's right. Well, this has been awesome working. Can they find you at this point? So if anyone has any questions, they can always call me directly at 818-929-2660. No questions too stupid. And my time's available for anybody. And, and, and if you're all, thinking about buying, just reach out to Kevin. I mean, worst case. Well, reach, say, out, reach out to us and we'll put you in touch with, with Kevin as well and, you know, and go that route. Yeah, they should yeah. always know that you should always get pre-qualified so you know what you can afford and that you're approved before you actually go looking for property. Exactly. So you don't waste anybody's time and or fall in love with the house. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, Kevin, thanks so much for thanks coming Kevin. out. Thanks for inviting me. Um, you know. Bye, guys. See you next show.
Hey everybody, Dave Markowitz here. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast of Tuesday's Tips. Ned and I understand that you have many options to listen to, and we really appreciate you taking the time today. So if you can, just go ahead and share it with people you know. And again, thanks so much for taking the time.